0: And then there's this playing big kind of fear where you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to take up more space. I don't know if I'm ready to do these things. I think I can do them, but I don't know if I'm ready yet. And so whenever you start to inch towards that playing big fear, that's how you're going in the right direction because you're growing and you're starting to take those risks.
1: Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the show that highlights remarkable young professionals of color killing it on their career journeys. I'm your host, Priscilla Esquivel Weninger, proud Texas Latina, daughter of immigrants and lover of breakfast tacos. Meet me for a coffee chat every Friday as we dive into a special guest story and hear all about their challenges, milestones and lessons learned. If you're a young professional of color and you're feeling lost in your career or just need a dose of inspiration you're in the right place let's get started hey everyone today you get to hear from rebecca garcia a mindset and career coach for women of color looking to transition into tech rebecca is a first generation american and daughter of immigrants from the philippines and mexico She's worked across tech startups, big tech giants in several different roles as a self-taught developer, a product manager, and now a program manager at Facebook. I really loved this conversation with Rebecca because she has a very calming presence and she helped me reframe a lot of different ideas that I had around imposter syndrome and how we really need to prioritize our mental health and well-being above all in our careers. So if you're looking to transition into tech, look no further, check out Rebecca Garcia and check her out at mindsetcoachforwomen.com. Okay, welcome Rebecca to the show. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't we start by just having you share a little bit about your background so that our audience can get familiarized with who you are, your personal background, and then what you do today. Absolutely. So I'm so excited
0: to share my work as both a mindset and career coach. I specifically work with women of color and started off working with women in tech. And i have grown my career as a woman in tech, as a self-taught developer turned product manager, program manager, doing a lot of different shifts along the way. And by day, I am a program manager at Facebook on the developer programs team, um, specifically working on a lot of different partnerships and events. And I'm also first generation, a daughter of immigrants. My mother immigrated from Mexico. My father immigrated from the Philippines. And growing up, I didn't see anybody who looked like me. And I didn't know that there was a career path for me in tech. And I had been learning to code as I was growing up copying and pasting HTML and CSS on my MySpace, my, my Neopets pages. And it was really fun and exciting. And I knew that when I was little that I wanted to help people, but I didn't know at the time how to be able to combine that. And I ended up starting to follow that passion and built my career as a self-taught developer. I was at Squarespace as it was growing from 250 to 500 employees. I found myself as a program manager, at Microsoft, managing a full-time technical training program for underserved New Yorkers, helping them to become IT and assist admins. And in between, I've been a technical product manager at a handful of different startups, most recently at a startup helping to end the gender pay gap, and most recently as a program manager at Facebook. So that's my little journey in a nutshell with a lot of pivots and twists.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. So tell us what it means to be a program manager, especially now at Facebook. Like, what are you responsible for? What does that kind of look like for you?
0: Yeah. So at Facebook, as some folks may know, there's a lot of different emerging technologies, whether that's augmented reality, AR, or virtual reality, VR, or technology around natural language processing, NLP. And essentially, my role as a program manager is to... Help get more developers and more creators on these new emerging Facebook products and it's really fun because I get to work with a lot of different teams so I work with engineering we work with marketing and we get to dream up these different programs to get folks engaged and involved and and give back to the community some folks like to ask me well why did you transition from being a developer or transition from being a product manager and honestly I think the role that I'm in right now is just a really fun and exciting combination of my different various experiences, and it helped set me up for it. So for anybody out there who's thinking that you have to have a straight and clear (laughs) narrow career path, I'm here to tell you that you don't. If you think about the tech industry being a quote unquote young industry, there's so many different roles out there that didn't exist five, 10 years ago. So it's like sky's the limit. And it's yeah, it's just a lot of fun when I get to do it at Facebook.
1: And now tell us a little bit about how you decided to become a career coach and then becoming a mindset coach. And what does that mean?
0: Absolutely. So a handful of years ago, I used to meet folks for coffee very often. <laughs> so I've spent the last 10 years in New York City, and I would get reached out to and folks would say, oh, I'd love to hear more about your background. I'd love to hear more about your story. Tell me how you got into X role at the time, whether that was as a developer or program manager, or product manager. And I used to meet them for coffee and quote unquote, have them pick my brain. And I realized that <laughs> a lot of these folks could use a more structured way to help them to define their unique value proposition essentially about themselves and their transferable skills and how to interview and move into a new role because tech interviewing can be nuanced and some folks can might seem intimidated or scared by it but it's actually not that scary. It doesn't have to be that scary. So I transitioned into coaching because I wanted to help a lot of these women and especially women of color who were struggling with how to make those pivots and make those shifts. So I've been doing that work uh, for a handful of years now. And I then realized that there was an even bigger gap uh, with imposter syndrome that, you know, even though I helped these folks move into new roles that the imposter syndrome still followed them. How can we start to dismantle the imposter syndrome and realize that it's not just, oh, you need to work harder, you need to quote-unquote be more confident that especially for people of color, it's it's not that easy. So that's the work that I'm doing today is to help people understand where imposter syndrome comes from, the unique challenges that come along with it as a person of color and how they can start to essentially reprogram their brains to stop feeling, not to stop feeling that imposter syndrome, but to start realizing just how amazing they are and the, the skill sets that they're building and the things that they're learning that are so much more than their imposter syndrome.
1: Yeah. And so when you got your first job in tech, like at a big tech company, what were some of the immediate challenges that you identified when you were f- first starting out your career?
0: Yeah. When I was first starting out in tech, I think one of the the biggest challenges that I realized was especially starting out at some smaller companies, at some startups, I noticed that it was very easy to get sidetracked and to want to do all the things. And it's the that's the exciting part about tech is being able to do all the different things. But I realized that I wasn't helping myself for the long term for my career and honing in on what were the strengths that I had versus trying to level up all the quote unquote weaknesses. And I think this is something that prevents folks early in their career from moving more into a mid-level or senior role is that they become generalists. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Starting out, you start out as a generalist, but I have learned from uh, Tim Ferriss to become a specialized generalist. (laughs) And that's essentially how I've built my career is as a specialized generalist where I can do all the things, but I know what I am not only quote unquote good at, but more passionate about. Even though I can do a lot of project management, that's not the only value that I bring. I bring innovation and I bring rallying people to the table. How can you start to figure out and and narrow down on, okay, I've grown a bunch of these different skills. Now, what are the skills that I want to start to focus on that I'm passionately moving towards? And it doesn't mean you have to be good at them right away, but that you're letting them push you forward.
1: Yeah. So you help women break into tech, what are some of the pain points or maybe issues that you see some of the people that you help get tripped up on the most? Is it something like in the interview process? Is it once they're in the door and more of that mindset challenge? Like what are maybe one or two things that you're like, "Oh, people really struggle with this."
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I've I've got a few. So one of the first ones is definitely discrediting their previous experience. And I'll give an example of, say somebody went to a boot camp, but they worked in finance before and on their resume, they take out the stuff from finance because they're like, well, this isn't relevant to the job that I want as a developer. Mm. And they're leaving off all that valuable professional experience that going back to your point about the soft skills, right? So yeah. they're missing out on that they've worked on multiple teams, that they, Understand the product that they have this background in finance that's valuable. That's the first thing is discrediting their experience. And when I say experience, it doesn't have to be working experience, it can be volunteer work that you've done, it can be side projects that you've done. And Again, if you're feeling that you're lacking experience, the side projects or the volunteer work is is a really great way to boost that. So that's the first one is discrediting experience. And the second piece on the interview process, what I tend to see goes one way or the other. The first way is to lean back towards that other one of discrediting their experience. And so they're not really sharing their background and how it got them where they are. And usually what I see folks doing is they start off in their most recent experience. They say, oh, I'm a developer at this. And then before I did this and I did this, and then I studied this in school. And so they're doing it in the reverse order where they should switch the order and they share, what is it that led you to where you are now? Like How is that build up so that they can Mm -hmm. start talking about that? So sometimes they're leaving stuff out. Or the other thing that I see is that they're over-preparing and just talking at the interviewer. They're like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I practiced my elevator pitch. I did this and did that." And but they didn't listen to me. And it's well, it's a two-way street. You got to ask them questions too. Give them room to breathe and mm-hmm. instead of just talking at the interviewer, see the interviewer as a person and start to get comfortable asking questions, which as a person of color can be very hard because you might think, "Oh, in some cultures that might be considered disrespectful." Or mm-hmm. in some cultures you're taught not to speak unless you're spoken to or, or- all sorts of unique Mm -hmm. experiences um, that people of color and people with different backgrounds have. Those are some of the common themes. And then the last piece, the imposter syndrome piece, where for anyone who's not familiar with imposter syndrome, it's this idea that you feel like you might be a fraud, like you don't belong there. And especially if you're a woman, you might think this because I know for me, I've many times been the only woman on a team. And so it can can feel like, oh, I don't know if I fit in. Do I belong here? Is this the right company for me? And so you start Mm -hmm. to question your experience, you start to question your capabilities. And in terms of tackling imposter syndrome, I actually think that you can flip the narrative on imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome doesn't mean that you don't know enough. There's actually a phenomenon called the Dunning Kruger effect, where once you start to learn things, you realize how much more there is to learn. And the folks that think that they know everything, it's because they are not willing (laughs) to look at all the things that they could learn. So they're saying stuck. You're Mm -hmm. actually at a great point if you're coming up against imposter syndrome. Yeah, because it means you realize how much more there is (laughs) to learn. And that means your potential is limitless in my mind. It doesn't have to be something terrible that we keep trying to get rid of. And that's another thing that some of my work is going into, which is people from underrepresented backgrounds, we are taught to discredit our feelings, we're taught to stay quiet, or we're taught to not let things get to us. And when we push down those emotions, they bubble back up to the surface. And all that resistance that you were having against taking action or against speaking up, it gets it It kind of digs itself in and it grows roots. So how can we learn to care for our emotional well being instead of, I think a lot of the advice out there is just be more confident and speak up. Mm -hmm. And it's the reason it doesn't work is because it doesn't feel safe Mm -hmm. as a person of color, or it doesn't feel right. Or maybe you're like, I'm an introvert. I can't do that. So understanding why it might not even feel right in your body and being able to work through that by working through your emotions and
1: knowing that it's okay that you don't know everything that actually means you're growing. So that's really interesting, that phenomenon you mentioned about people who are probably doing the same thing, feel confident in what they're doing, right? (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. they've been doing it for so long. But yeah, try something different and I'm sure people will feel not so secure, right? And just to that last point that you had
0: on doing something new, I think there's also a way that you can differentiate between the, oh, this is really scary and I don't want to do this, or I don't know if I can do this. And that kind of this is new and exciting. I want to do this. Another thing I learned from the author Tara Moore is there is this kind of like staying small fear, right? Where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm I'm not sure if I'm ready for this and you're hiding. And then there's this playing big kind of fear where you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to take up more space. I don't know if I'm ready to do these things. I think I can do them, but I don't know if I'm ready yet. And so whenever you start to inch towards that playing big fear, that's how you're going in the right direction because you're growing and you're starting to take those risks and you can start to see it as excitement rather than anxiety.
1: And now a quick message from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. If you're thinking of getting a graduate degree like many of the other early career moves guests, check out our awesome sponsor, The Art of Applying. The Art of Applying has spent the last 10 years helping people who aren't the cookie cutter applicants for top business, law, policy and other programs get into their dream schools and get money to pay for them. They have a large team of expert consultants who know what it takes to get into the school of your dreams and can give you the roadmap for how to get there especially if you're stuck on something like getting the perfect test score or struggling with the right words to put in your essays. They believe each applicant has more to offer than just their test scores or GPA, and that approach has helped thousands of their clients get into their dream schools and earn more than $20 million in merit scholarships and fellowships. Graduate schools care about your entire application, and I love that their team helps applicants put their best foot forward. As a sponsor of the Early Career Moves podcast, they've invited listeners to explore working with their team by going to theartofapplying.com slash ECM and signing up for a quick call. If you mention the Early Career Moves podcast, you get $100 off enrolling in their hourly coaching or application accelerator program. If you're dreaming of going to a top school without paying top dollar, go to theartofapplying.com slash ECM. Did you experience that in your career where it felt really unnatural and maybe kind of like, am I bragging on myself by talking about your accomplishments or anything like that? Absolutely. That
0: is something that definitely comes up a lot where I hear folks say that where, like you said, they don't want to seem braggy. You don't want to seem like you're boasting. And maybe in your culture, I know that I was told be humble, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that they're is a difference between bragging and, and boasting and puffing at your chest versus sharing the work that you do or telling people the work that you do or the work that you're excited and capable of doing, because that allows you to be of service to others. Because if you don't speak up and you don't say those things, then how are the opportunities going to find you? How are you going to make the right connections if you're constantly, you're waiting for somebody to tap you on the shoulder and like give you a permission slip to be Mm -hmm. successful? You're basically placing your success in somebody else's hands versus you being able to pick the direction that you want to go in because that's how opportunities come to you is when people know you for certain things or a lot of the early advice is like oh build your network and i think of networking it's a long-term strategy i think of it as a boomerang right you make connections and then they come back around and then they happen to be helpful later but those connections are only as valuable as much as you let people know what it is that you want to do or what it is that you're capable and excited to do. So just putting it out there as a reframe of it's not you bragging, it's you advocating for yourself, advocating for your career, because you are the only person who can be that advocate for yourself. So not just a mentor, not just a manager, you get to pick the direction of your career.
1: What are some like well-being things that you do or maybe even advise your clients, people that you work with to do to find like some kind of sanity and separateness from work? Because work is in our house now, right? It's like at home Mm. all the time. Yeah, that is a great question. So
0: one of the things that I like to do is, especially after having a lot of Zoom calls, meetings, back-to-back stuff going on, is to take a nervous system break. And I'm sure if I just started spouting off to folks like, oh, you should meditate. Everybody has heard that they quote unquote should meditate. But (laughs) uh, before even meditation, just giving your nervous system a break, meaning how can you get out of that like heightened state of doing stuff all the time and go, right? Because we're working from home, we have to create that. Whereas in the past, we might have had it naturally built in, right? So I'll give an example of When I worked in Manhattan, I liked for lunch, I was like, okay, I'm going to go walk and I'm going to go pick up lunch from somewhere. And I'll maybe I'll listen to a podcast while I'm walking. And that was essentially a nervous system break. And now that we don't have that built in? How can you build it in? One practice is to notice the things that help get you out of that like going mode. And so whether that's listening to a podcast or doing the dishes for 10 minutes or like just being away from the computer, being away from your work and make a list of those things that allow you to feel a little bit more relaxed and incorporate them into your day and don't feel guilty about it because we don't have those things built into our day now. And if we don't build them in now, it's building building these wellness practices in into your life it's everybody's like, oh i don't have time for that i'm too busy but it's learning to swim before you're drowning right before you're burnt out mm-hmm. before you're really tired before you're just oh my gosh i can't function so just throwing that out there is taking a nervous system break here and there and the world will be okay your inbox your emails will still be there the notifications will still be there like 10 15 minutes <laughs> later
1: So true. Yeah. I think those walks are just like creating your own version of a commute, right? Like before Mm -hmm. or after work, it helps so much to get out of your head for sure. Well, my last question for you before we wrap up is just what is maybe your number one career lesson that you would want to impart on younger folks, especially those looking to get into tech? Yeah.
0: So one of the quotes that I love to say is from the author, John Acuff. And his quote is, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. It's really easy for us to look at other people and say, well, they have this thing. I don't have that thing. I don't have these skills yet. I don't feel ready. And when you look at a job description, Actually, see it as a wish list. Don't see it as you need to meet every single thing on that list. And I say this as somebody who has worked in hiring and has worked with recruiters. And sometimes those job descriptions aren't even written by the hiring manager. Sometimes they're written by a recruiting team with the things that they would, in an ideal world, love to have. But that doesn't mean you can't grow into doing those things. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The second piece is how important mental health is. And I know that there's a stigma uh, against it in many you know, cultures and where, oh, therapy is only for people who can afford it, or therapy means that there's something really wrong with you, or, oh, meditation and yoga, it's too woo-woo for me, or I can't do that. And you end up putting off all of these things. And I wish that I had spent more time helping myself. It's like that, like when you get on an airplane and they're like, put your oxygen mask on first, because how are mm-hmm. you going to put out your most valuable work? And how are you going to provide the most value if you are unable to function well? So taking care of yourself is important. It's, it's not a luxury. It's a base need. So honor yourself, honor your feelings. You may have family members who, you know, or cultures that don't agree with this, but at the end of the day, who is it that's living your life and building your career? It's you, right? So why not take that time for you? So I hope that's helpful for folks out there who are thinking, how can I become successful? And I will tell you at the mid senior part of my career of working in tech at big companies and small companies, burnout is real. And it happens at any stage um, in your career. And if you can take care of yourself now, do it, Mm -hmm. put yourself first and keep putting yourself first.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, Rebecca, where can people find you online and potentially even work with you?
0: Yeah. So come find me on Instagram at Mindset Coach for Women. That's also my new domain, mindsetcoachforwomen.com, if not Rebecca Garcia. Tech. And I would love to connect with you. Shoot me a DM, tag me if you listen to this podcast episode and you found it helpful. I do career workshops as well as mindfulness and wellness practices. And I'm excited to help more folks with imposter syndrome. So thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning into the Early Career Moves Podcast. Be sure to visit ecmpodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and become a part of our newsletter community. And if you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Talk to you next week.